If you're looking for a clean, sober, professional, academic, well-researched, historically accurate, generally accurate, serious podcast on Southern folklore, ghosts, bizarre events, and unique people, this podcast is not for you. However, if you've decided you can live with that, then join us for The Strange South. It's not scented or anything. It's just supposed to bring good luck. And Jesus, if we don't need it. Don't, don't. even say that shit. Oh, just remind me to blow these candles. I told you my neighbor's house burned down, didn't I? I was there. I was, well, I wasn't there there, but I, um, I drove oh, up. it fell down. Okay. It fell down there. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I came over. That's that right. That's the last night I saw you. Oh my God, yes. It was Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. Jesus Christ. Since then, Courtney's been posting all these things about how your cats can burn your house down. What oh. did you say? Hi, Marleya. Hi, Patrice. Hi, absent Courtney. Hi, absent Courtney. We're missing our bartender. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't say what we're drinking. Mm-mm. She would not approve. No, she wouldn't approve. Or she might, knowing how desperate we are without her. No, she still wouldn't approve. Oh, shit. You're she right. thinks we can do better. <laughs> you got to do better than just pop the can. No glug glug. No glug glug. <laughs> we are all glug glug tonight. Yeah, it's been an exciting couple of weeks. Mm. We apologize for our delays in like right. in uh, recording and posting, but the COVID has finally hit our little tiny family of podcasters. Yes. So I was out with it for my 10 day of isolation and quarantine. And now Courtney is out with it. Oh, God. It's completely separate. Yes. And because Patrice is made of steel. No, don't say that because I will be like in the hospital tomorrow. Don't even say that. Knock, 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 everybody. <laughs> um, I, yeah. I should not put, I, I know better to put than putting stuff out in the universe. I'm fucked. St. Dolly's looking after you. She's staring at you right now from your table. I, She's St. Dolly. Is looking out for you right now. May Saint Dolly watch over all of us yes. and Saint Betty. They uh, so yeah. While I was in isolation, which was uh, mentally actually pretty good for me, I would say. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's it's it doesn't always. I mean, only because I didn't feel like shit. You know, I felt like I had a cold. Yeah. Yay vaccines! But um, I watched what all of Nine Perfect Strangers. I enjoyed that show a lot. I, I binge watched Nine Perfect Strangers. Oh, you did, that was the Nikit Coleman. Nicole Kidman. <laughs> Nikit Coleman. <laughs> Nicole Kidman. Yes. And uh, I always, I always. Uh, da, 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 da. It's not Megan Mullally. She's she's from uh, Will and Grace. It's no, no. It's shit. Why can I never remember her name? It's Kate. No, it's not Kate McKinnon either. It's, <laughs> that other lady that holy I holy fuck I can I, picture her I know and I know her name and she was on uh, the Lorelai with uh, Suki. We know that you're screaming her name. You in are your screaming car her right name. now. Right, it is, and I'm not even gonna Google it. No shame on us. We're gonna remember it like halfway through and just scream it out. <laughs> not no, really. Courtney. Courtney will listen to this and she'll be screaming she at this entire be, time. She's she gonna like, like break a window. Why did y'all not wait for me? <laughs> she loves y'all it. obviously cannot manage. <laughs> She's great in that show though. Whoever this lady is, yes. she's really funny. And <laughs> McCarthy. Uh, Maca- yes, yes, uh, McCarthy. Um, 
with the first name. With the first name. <laughs> Mrs. McCarthy. <laughs> Miss McCarthy. <laughs> yes, that one. Yes, Miss McCarthy is <laughs> fabulous. <laughs> so, yeah, she's she's really good in it. And uh, what else did I rewatched all of Gentleman Jack. I read uh, The Goldfinch, which is a massive book, but I had a whole lot of time on my hands. Oh, wow. How was The Goldfinch? It was good. It was really good. It's just like, it's crazy, just wide-ranging novel about like art theft and gamblers and child like abuse and it's wow this sounds really depressing it's Mm -hmm. it's kind of a depressing book actually but it's good it's like long and depressing it's very long but i loved it I, i really did like it it's a good read it's like it's good for introspective times oh nice like covid like covid fuck covid fuck it Yes. Fuck it all to hell. We had some mail. <gasps> it's in my car. It's in your car. Okay, hold on. It's because I'm so excited. I know. Because there's a package. It's a package. All right. There was a package in the P.O. box. And I believe it's from Kenneth. Oh, that's right. Hold on. Oh sound effects oracle of the ages (gasps) nice reflections on the curious life of fortune teller mahaley lancaster sounds like somebody we need to talk about (laughs) so there we go let me see that cover that looks cool it does look really cool yes thank you so much yes thank you is amazing I hope that's who it's from. There's no little gifty thing. I in here. think it is because he emailed saying, "Did you get the book?" Oh well, then that would be yeah. it. Then. And so I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> I was like, I kind of know, but I don't know what the book's about. So thank you so much, Kenneth. Yes, you that's are awesome, Jim. <laughs> that's so sweet. We got some Christmas cards. We got some books. I'll start. Yay! <laughs> I'm starting right now. <laughs> you got me some readers. Mm. So I can see my screen. Okay. Can't see it that good. (laughs) So tonight's story is brought to you by an email we received, which I get all the good emails telling me of all the good things I should (laughs) cover. And I I keep them them. all to myself. (laughs) I'm like, Marlea can handle herself. Uh, and she does so <laughs> so well no fair i just need a little help and i appreciate <laughs> it i will share these start sharing these emails it's been more of a technical thing than me well half technical half me being selfish <laughs> but we, we know got, how you are right uh we got an email and it says hello patrice marlea and courtney i grew up in virginia beach <gasps> And our best story is that of Grace Sherwood. Okay. The witch of Witch Duck Road. What the what? That's exactly (laughs) what I said. She is the last person convicted of witchcraft in Virginia. No way. And her survival story is pretty amazing. I'm including her Wikipedia link. She knows how we roll. Wikipedia. (laughs) Uh, Lore also did a great episode on her, but I can't find the episode number 
and it was in 2017. I looked on lore. I could not find it, but I found a YouTube of him reading the story because he published several books Mm -hmm. and it's in one of his books. Oh, cool. So I'll include that on the show page. My favorite part of her story is that a local Girl Scout troop spent several days or service days cleaning her statue, a fantastic way to continue to stick the middle finger to the patriarchy. (laughs) Go Girl Scouts and you're flipping the bird. (laughs) You got the middle finger patch. Right. (laughs) That's what we need. Oh my God. Look for the middle finger patch from the strange South coming to a store near you. Patent pending. Patent pending. (laughs) Yes. Um, Okay. Thank you for your podcast. I feel like I'm spending time happily eavesdropping on friends. All Aww. the best, Ashley. Oh, thanks, Ashley. Thanks so much, Ashley. And I already sent her a little happy. Yay. Being so awesome. And she returned with an email with even more suggestions that I'm hiding that from I'm me. never going to see. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here goes. The story of Grace Sherwood. That's a great name, by the way. It is a great name. Um, So I got, uh, I listened to a couple of podcasts about her, uh, Witches, Magic, Murder, and Mystery podcasts. Their episode uh, 59, where they covered uh, Grace Sherwood. I also Got a lot of information, Virginia, from the Virginia History Podcast, which mm. I think is wonderful. So that this person does like a Virgin, like a state history podcast. And he did a Halloween episode where he interviewed this group of people that come together. They're called Shades of Our Past Reenactors, and they reenact stories from Virginia's past. Mm. And they did one of her. And then, like I said, Lore, in his book called Stories from the World of Lore, Wicked Morals, mm-hmm. Aaron uh, Mankey did a uh, story called Rise Above. And that's why I couldn't find it, because he called it Rise Above instead of her name. Mm-hmm. And it was, he read it, and it was, you know, he added his own little, there's several, like, legends associated with it. So there's several different versions, like all Mm-hmm. Like tells like all good stories or lore, and so he added his own little narrative and stuff to it. So we're just we're dealing with the facts that aren't there, people. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to guess. We're going to assume. We're going to give credit, probably where credit is not due. <laughs> we're just going to shape this history how we want it to be shaped. All right. Grace Sherwood, also known as the Witch of Pungo. Pungo? Yeah. Okay. Grace was born in 1660 to John and Susan White. And she was born in Pongo, Virginia, which is in the Virginia Beach area as we know it today. Pongo is a very interesting name. I had to look that up, but it derives from the local Indian tribe. Mm. They were called the Machipongo or hmm. Machipongo, if you're Italian, I guess. <laughs> Machipongo. The Machipongo were a branch of the Chesapeake tribe. 
which I was like, Chesapeake. I was like, well, yeah, that's a fucking, in, you know, Native American name. Sorry, mm. my 90s, 80s roots are showing. <laughs> and I was like, okay, yeah, legit. So Pongo. So during the 1600s, just to put us into this history, this time, because I need to relate like what's going on at that time. I know just from my basic fifth grade education knowledge on history (laughs) (laughs) that, you know, it's before the Civil War. Mm -hmm. It's during like the English colonies time. Actually, right when she was born, 1660, it's right after England is coming out of their own little civil war. Mm-hmm. And their civil war was actually three different wars. It was mainly parliament against the royalist. So mm-hmm. uh, and they were not really fighting over, well, they were, everybody's always fights over power, right? Mm-hmm. But the main thing that they were fighting about were like what religion should be happening and how to rule and you can tell like parliament and royalists like Mm -hmm. monarchy versus the people how Mm -hmm. how that's going to play out as we did in the revolution war right so you know the puritists have already come over because they want religious freedom uh scotland and and ireland were also mixed up in the civil war and so it doesn't really say like we don't really know when grace's dad came over but he was a Scottish carpenter and a farmer. And I believe her mom, Susan, was of English descent. So anyway, it's uncertain whether they were born there, whether when they came over or whatnot. But it is certain that Grace was born there in Pongo County to this carpenter and farmer. Of course, they never say anything about the mother. It's always like, you know, mm. her dad, you know, you just assume that she was a homemaker. But I'm sure... Grace's mom, Susan, worked her ass off doing everything else, mm-hmm. um, as we can tell later on uh, by what Grace, how Grace handles things. In 1680, when she was 20, Grace married a respected small farm landowner named James Sherwood, and they got married in the Lynn Haven Parish Church. Her dad gave them about 50 acres Dang. Um, when yeah when they got married so they had land they mm-hmm. they were they were it's almost like they were land poor mm-hmm. so they had a lot of land but they didn't have a lot of coin and of course working their ass off just to eat and yeah. just to maintain you know status quo and i looked up like 50 because i have to again context y'all i have to have context mm-hmm. i can't assume like i know what 50 acres are <laughs> and so, i know i'm just like that's big it's big right <laughs> we just like that's big but 50 acres uh i went to measure of things.com which is a fabulous website because <laughs> it gives you perspective but it always gives you perspective on things like up north that I have no fucking clue about. So 50 <laughs> acres is basically the size of Grand Central Station. Like, I don't know how fucking, like, I've never been to Grand Central Station. So great. Now it's another thing that I don't know how big it is. Not that I'm a football follower, but I'm I like, I knew it was going to football. We all measure things by the size of footballs mm-hmm. and football stadiums, football fields, football, football fields. Stadiums. This is all the parking lots around. <laughs> right. Grand Central Station, which I'm like, really? Grand Central Station is that fucking big? It's 50 acres, is 38 football fields. Wow. So it's, it's pretty, it's, it's nothing to sneeze at. Her and her husband, James, had three sons. John Jr., James Jr., and Richard. <laughs> JJ and JJ and Dick. <laughs> exactly. 
Grace's dead died and left her his remaining 145 acres. Jesus. So she had almost 200 acres total gifted to her. So I guess her mom had already died. Again, not many records kept. Don't really know. Nobody says. That seems like a small family to keep like 200 acres. And I'm sure this is just the rough. I don't think that they own slaves, Mm -hmm. but I do not know. I mean, I cannot say yes or no, Mm -hmm. but from what I've read from and and listened to like the historical podcast and stuff it doesn't say anything it says that james tended to planting and growing stuff and she actually donned a pe- donned <laughs> Don. <laughs> she wore a pair of pants you've been doing crossword <laughs> And fed chickens, fed the livestock, and kept an herb garden. And so growing... Medicinal herbs? Yeah, medicinal herbs and witchy herbs, apparently, which goes hand in hand in colonial New England Mm -hmm. area. So she tended the livestock. She, you know, grew herbs. She did all the things around the house. She had three boys... Which, God bless her. <laughs> and she helped treat, like, when life, her livestock got sick, she would help use the herbs to treat them for their ailments. And she did the same for people. You know, she was a good person wanting to help other people, which always gets you in trouble. Mm. And uh, she was also a midwife because back then it was all hands on deck. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the people, around, they were considered middle class, but they were living pretty much in middle class and lower um, poverty area uh, where people you know there were no doctors it was rural it was farmers and stuff so you know and she had three fucking boys and survived so mm-hmm. you know she's gonna help out and she was she seems to be like a very take charge kind of woman from what has been described about her she was tall she was they say beautiful but you know take it with a grain of salt they don't have any pictures of her, so how how could they know? So she was tall, <laughs> and she was very in charge, and she was a funny person. So she was a very personable person, easy oh, to get man. along with. In charge always makes you a witch. Right? Yes. Especially, like, growing herbs. So, And who's to say she wasn't growing some marijuana or milk <laughs> of the poppy? some herb. <laughs> right? You know, that, and that's just what she did. During this time, they were in Virginia. Up north in Massachusetts in 1692, Salem witch trials were going on. And in Salem, in Massachusetts area, was almost like another continent away. Mm. Because that's where the Puritans were. Mm -hmm. That's where the crazy zealots were. And it was almost like the people who were trying to escape religious persecution that settled in that area, and I could be like talking on my ass here, but I don't remember fifth grade history coming at you. It seems to me like, you know, they settled there. They Everything the clergy was involved in, where the Virginia people were the um, people from Europe that was more British non-zealot. <laughs> I don't know what else you would call them. British Just establishment. ordinary people. Just ordinary people. <laughs> God-fearing and stuff, but they weren't crazy with it because, you know, the Salem Witch Trials, 19 people were executed mm-hmm. for allegations of sorcery. During that time, though, witchcraft was on the books. It was on the law book. 
people coming from Europe still believed that witches exist, that there were demonic forces. It was all a real thing. Like I said, it was on the books. And back then, let's see, 19 years after the founding of uh, Jamestown in 1626. So this is kind of a side note here, y'all. In 1626, 19 years after the founding of Jamestown Colony, which was the first permanent English colony, a grand jury, which you don't really think about like there being grand juries being established, but they did. Mm-hmm. Grand jury uh, deliberated whether good wife Joan Wright, which I have a problem with that name. It should be good human. <laughs> Joan, Goody, good Joan. Yeah. Goody Joan, right? Um, was a witch. She had supposedly predicted the deaths of three women and caused illness as revenge for not hiring her as a midwife. And it was just pettiness. They ended up actually... Sorry. Mm-hmm. I have pettiness. That's a bullet point there. (laughs) Pettiness. So in the Deep South, people like that, we call them wise women, wise people, root doctors. It was a different take on stuff because poor people, as as we've talked about it before, had people in the community like, Mm -hmm. you know, midwives, and they were looked upon as people who were helpful. Mm -hmm. It was a different take in New England. It wasn't so much the same. And, And I think largely due to the clergy being part of the government yeah and part of the um you know grand jury and whatnot especially the grand jury and i keep thinking like where did they get their wigs i know it's like <laughs> robes and wigs i know the same thing i was like grand jury you know so new england was mainly where ministers were part of the government and they were in everybody's business in virginia their government was not rooted in religion it was more witchcraft was more folklore that came down with them than really something that they saw was a threat. Mm-hmm. They were more worried about like fornication and <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> so in 1697, <laughs> kept them up at night. Kept them up <laughs> fornication. At night. <laughs> exactly. In 1697, Richard Cap, and this time Grace was about 37 years old, alleged that she had used a spell to cause the death of his bull. So he accused her of witchcraft, but he sued her for killing his bull. So he didn't say that like she used witch or she was or she practiced witchcraft. He he basically implied it but said that she killed my bull and he took her to court. And the court actually did not make a decision when, you know, he made this accusation because he didn't show up. Like he accused her, they set a date (laughs) and then he didn't show up. (laughs) And so the court made no decision. They kind of like tossed it out. I think that should be an immediate dismissal. Grace and her husband. And when I heard this, I was like, well, damn, they filed a countersuit and they sued him for defamation ah! <laughs> uh, against caps and they actually he came to court after that and but it was settled out of court mm. and, and they don't have it's like kind of awesome <laughs> it is awesome i was like hells yeah it's like they're like okay you come at me you better bring it because i'm bringing it back to you <laughs> and they did but they i mean they didn't have a lot of money to be throwing around in courts mm-hmm. and unfortunately this is what happens so the next year, 
a second claim, a neighbor, John Ginsburn of, of nothing, of assholery, <laughs> he claimed that she enchanted his pigs and his cotton crop. So they're starting to be just like really, but she, they have 200 acres of land. Mm -hmm. And if nothing has like taught us, it is that if you are doing better than your neighbor, your mm -hmm. neighbors will be petty as shit and mm -hmm. they will find something to come at you with. Unfortunately. Enchanted pigs. <laughs> oh Lord, child, it gets better. <laughs> They take this to court and nothing was done because they're like, what the fuck? It's like, <laughs> it's like this they're woman. like, what does enchanted corn even mean? Is this <laughs> right? like a Disney movie where it like right. raises its stalks in the like, air and sings? And, and <laughs> what is, yeah, how, what is the purpose of enchanting a pig? Like, what, what is this? So the court does nothing to follow up on the accusation. And then the Sherwoods come back and they sue him for. <laughs> Deflammation. <laughs> Unfortunately, awesome. it fails. No. And this is why I think it fails. It really should not have failed. But they did have more money than these people that were suing them. Mm -hmm. And I believe this is all just me making shit up, y'all. <laughs> so I really feel like the the court, the jury, whoever how the fuck that works, fifth grade <laughs> civics also. Um <laughs> They had more money so they could pay the court costs. And yeah. I think that ended up, they ended up having to pay their court costs and they ended up having to pay whoever sued them or they countersued's court costs because mm. I don't think the, the person, either they had like a cousin sitting on the board again, however that works. <laughs> All right. Same year, Elizabeth Bonds. Miss <laughs> Bonds. Miss Bonds. We're going to call her Black Cat Bonds <laughs> because. It is alleged, she alleged that Grace snuck into her bedroom um, in the middle of the night. Saucy. With her husband sleeping right there. Pretty saucier. Saucier. <laughs> oh, you just wait. This is getting hot. <laughs> she, she woke up Elizabeth. Then she rode Elizabeth. Excuse me? Like a horse. <laughs> All around the country, <laughs> made her come back. Go put her back, tucked her back in. <laughs> then Grace turned into a black cat and jumped through the keyhole to escape. <laughs> Couldn't even be the window. Husband <laughs> suspected nothing because he was slept through the whole entire. That's the pony most show. realistic part of all of it. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it, you did a story about this before. She turned me into a horse. <laughs> but I got better. Oh man, this whole thing reeks of Monty Python. Uh, she How do you say that in court? She turned me into a horse and, and rode, rode me, me all around and the country. And me most viciously. <laughs> I have the whip marks to prove it. <laughs> oh, lordy. So, of course, she lost that, and um, <laughs> they countersued, because, I mean, what the fuck? They They're like, to learn to let you well enough alone. got into the poppy seed patch, did you not? <laughs> uh, but they failed. Again, they failed um, 
getting justice from all these people that are slandering their good name. <laughs> and of course, they had to pay all the court costs, hers and them. It seemed like a, a racket between the people yeah. of Pongo and the court system. Mm-hmm. They're like, you know, we need to bring some money in. Let's, you know, make up some wild and crazy shit <laughs> and sue. Wild and crazy is right. And after that case, the judge is like, y'all, next time, just tone it down just a little. <laughs> yeah. Just you, a little bit. I yeah, can't a hardly plus do nothing for creativity. with this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be spending a long night thinking about fornication and this. <laughs> it gets quiet for a couple of years. James dies in 1701, which means Grace, being a free woman, inherits all that land that she already oh. fucking owned. And then they really start coming for her. So they hinted at witchcraft before, but they really sued her for like death of pig, Mm. death of bull, riding me like a horse. (laughs) (laughs) And death of innocence. Death of innocence. She was a smart woman, though. She didn't remarry. She's like, this was all my fucking land to begin with. I'm not going to remarry. Maybe, you know, James with the love of her life. Who knows? You know, after three boys and a husband, she may have just been sick of men and all of these men coming at her. But again, it opened her up with her neighbors and everything. Anyway, because it says princes and county, which is where Pongo was obviously grown tired of Mrs. Sherwood. And they considered her like a general nuisance. Now, this was written in 1895 as a re- retelling of the story of her that was like 200 years earlier, mm. which is crazy. It's crazy how long like this story has been around. Mm-hmm. Going to take a drink of my not mixed. Did not come out of a did can. Did not come out of all. a can. Me too. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> <clears throat> all right. So she was, she was okay for a little while. Then in 1705, her neighbors came up on her property. <sighs> and this is... Elizabeth Hill and her husband, what's his face, <laughs> came into her house or up in her yard and attacked her. What? Like brutalized her, beat the shit out of her. She had like cuts and bruises and stuff. Of course, Grace goes to the court and's like, what the fuck? I'm on my own business. I'm you have to on really your own property. Like, Two hundred acres, you've got to mean to come up on my property kind of deal and they just beat the shit out of her for what who who the fuck knows she sues and she wins oh because they cannot discredit that she has like bruises Mm -hmm. and cuts and stuff and she sues them i think for now dollars for about five hundred dollars but they award her only a hundred so she did win so that was a win but then they cut the cost of how much that they really could pay well, that just stewed. Oh no! With old Elizabeth Hill. Ugh. Why is oh? So this is a horsewoman, right? No, that was Barnes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's Black Cat Barnes. Okay, sorry, sorry. Hill. This is like Hellion Hill. <laughs> so in 1706, and Grace would have been 46 by this time. The beginning of the new year. The hills are licking their wounds from, you know, having to actually pay money for beating her up for whatever reason. They end up formally accusing Grace Sherwood of witchcraft. And all because, like, the whole kerfuffle. And then Elizabeth Hill has a miscarriage. And so she immediately 
blames Grace for it. <sighs> and, you know, it very well could have been the strain of the beating strain the shit of, out of someone else. Yes, exactly. Exactly. It's maybe an unwise decision, Miss Elizabeth. Kick them while they're downhill, right? <laughs> At this time, they sue and you're supposed to make an appearance in court. Well, Grace thinking, what the absolute fuck, y'all? <laughs> what the fuck? She doesn't show up. Maybe she has the flu. Maybe her kids have the flu. Who knows? But she doesn't show up for court. And that's kind of like a big no-no. Mm-hmm. I mean, as it is now, it's like a thing that you don't That's like a do. warrant. Yeah. Right. So in March 1706 of the same year, three months later, the Prince and County justices sought to impanel two juries made up of women to investigate the alleged with with crap. <laughs> <laughs> Witchcraft. Witchcraft. (laughs) Yeah, I wish I could say that this is all because I drank too much. But I think it's more has to do with just being tired. Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) Anything else. Or just like how I am. Y'all know me. What they have to do when you, back in, in this time, when you charge somebody... Like, you take your complaint, and you're like, she turned me into a newt. <laughs> and they're like, okay, got it. So nowadays, the defendant has to prove themselves innocent. Mm-hmm. Back in those days, the people that charged you, persecutors, the whatever. the I know this. We know this. Fifth grade civics. M- Megan Mullally. <laughs> I don't <laughs> <laughs> the, no. the, the prosecution the not the defendant but the the prosecution yeah I yeah guess. so yes. so the people prosecuting have to prove they have to gather evidence and prove that she is guilty mm-hmm. so they 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 impaneled two juries made up of women the first panel was ordered to search sherwood's <laughs> melissa mccarthy yes sorry the first panel was ordered to search sherwood's melissa mccarthy <laughs> was ordered <laughs> with all the other women that we cannot remember their name to search sherwood's home for waxen or baked figurines oh. um basically voodoo, voodoo dolls, dolls yeah. uh, to indicate that she was a witch the second group of women was ordered to look for demon suckle teats <laughs> there are so many words in the story that i absolutely love <sighs> by examining her. i don't oh jesus Oh, no, that's not good. So demon suckle teats, as according to the law (laughs) in colonial times, (laughs) is extra nipples or things that look like nipples. We call them maybe moles or freckles or just little skin tags or something. Oh, Oh, shit. Yes. Which if you've ever had children Mm -hmm. and you are the least bit moly or freckly, you know that it just explodes after you have children. Like there's moles and all kinds of like deformities. Like childbirthing is just such bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it. I love my kid, but oh. (laughs) It wreaks havoc on our bodies. 
ways that nobody tells you. It's like all of a sudden there are like demonic teats everywhere. (laughs) This is what they go looking for. And of course they fucking find it. Of course. That's like exploitative, like from the get go. It's like, yes, disrobe and we'll like, (laughs) we look at all your parts. Maliciously examine you. They charge these women to do this. In both instances, and I think this is kind of cool, the women are reluctant to go and do these searches. Okay. And it's because the women who, I mean, I'm, there's probably not a ton of women, so they all are named. They know her. Okay. She's probably, you know, smoked a doobie or two with some <laughs> of the other women while the husbands are out in the field, and they're just, like, trying to deal with all the stress of colonial life, the bugs and the animals and rats and whatnot. <laughs> Diseases. Diseases. Pestilence. Yeah, and, you know, bad breath and bad teeth <laughs> and, and all that stuff. Demon teats. Demon teats, right? The midwives, they're like, no, they don't show up. Oh, nice. The the search committees are like, nope, nope, nope. Cool. Not going to do it. That's awesome. Interestingly enough, one of the women on the jury is the same black cat, Elizabeth Barnes, who had previously accused her of riding her like a horse. (laughs) (laughs) You have two two systems going on here. So wait, even Elizabeth Barnes refused to do this? Well... It may have been one of those peer pressure things. Oh. Or she may have been dreaming about being ridden oh. like a horse every night and since was like then. Really looking for <laughs> some like come on. No, really, come on. Let's examine her. Witchcraft is a felony. And so if they handle it locally and they deem that she's a witch, she's automatically executed. Shit. So the locals knowing her, she's part of the community. They don't want to have that responsibility, but, you know, the formal charges have been presented to them. They're also kind of weary because they heard of what all those crazy people up in Salem did. Mm. And they don't, they're like, that was nuts. What the fuck do we do? We can't just say, no, we're not going to do this. Well, they can, but for some reason they're appeasing Mrs. Hill. Mm -hmm. They send it up to Williamsburg, more like the federal kind of the state authorities. And the state authorities look at this and they're like, y'all, we are too busy, like (laughs) taxpayer money. We're trying to establish these colonies. We're having to deal with Europe, all all of these things. It's like, this is some petty shit. Get it out of her face. (laughs) So they send it back down to locals and the locals will go, well, fuck, you know, what do we do? We don't want to kill her. It's obvious that they don't want to kill her. Hills want to kill her, but the locals in the court don't want to kill her. So they go back to the books and they're like, okay, what can we do to scientifically say <laughs> that, you know, she is or isn't a witch and put it to bed? Does she weigh the same as a duck? Exactly. <laughs> so in the law books, there's this thing that is basically a, it's a duck test. No way. It's like a witch litmus test. The yeah, best. It is. And and we're going to talk about, I've got a whole slew of the different tests for witches that we're going to talk about in the after talk. Sweet. <laughs> On May 2nd, 1706, they can't really pin anything on her. They don't have any evidence. They don't have any hard evidence, which is why uh, Williamsburg shoved it back down mm-hmm. to them. They're like, there's nothing solid here we can do. It's, it's, it's petty. 
And you got two loudmouth Karens going, but she turned me into a newt kind of thing. So the sheriff arrests her, and on July 5th, they uh, ordered a trial by ducking. They call it ducking. I'm like, that. I want to say dunking because mm-hmm. that's what we call it, but they called it ducking. I guess oh. it's like an old English thing. Is this when they put them under the water and it's like if they if you drown? Oh, Jesus Christ. It's one of those stupid tests. Yeah. Well, they're all stupid. Yeah, they are stupid. Okay. So ordered a trial by ducking to take place with Grace's consent. Okay. But due to like heavy rains, some some say sleet. I'm like, y'all, it's July 5th. It's not sleeting Mm-mm. up there. But, you know, it was like really bad rains. They postponed it because they feared that the wet weather might harm her. <laughs> okay. So they waited a little bit and they're like, okay, we got Karen's to, you know, appease. So they took her into Lynn Haven Parish Church, which is where the church she got married in. Mm-hmm. And they're like, look, just go ahead and ask for forgiveness for your witchery. And then I'm sure we'll give you a large fine to pay and we'll be done with this. But she replied, I be not a witch. I be a healer. Ye assholes. <laughs> Sorry, I took creative license that last. <laughs> I'm sure she was thinking Ye assholes. Ye assholes. On July 10th at 10 a.m., Sherwood was taken down a dirt lane now known as Witch Duck Road <gasps> to a plantation near the mouth of the Lynn Haven River. I will tell you part of what the swimming test entails here. So swimming tests were used to accuse witches. It started back way long ago where they, you know, they threw you into a river and if you survived, you're innocent. And if mm-hmm. you drowned, well, you must must be guilty. They'll take these women to the nearest body of water and they'll strip down to undergarments and they'll bind them and toss them in to see if they'll sink or float. Since witches were believed to have spurned the sacrament of baptism, it is thought that the water would reject their bodies and prevent them from submerging. According to this, an innocent person would sink like a stone, mm-hmm. but a witch would simply bob to the surface. So it's like a lose-lose proposition because you're likely to drown, or if you bob to the surface, they'll kill you some other way. But they would tie a rope around a man's waist so that they could pull either your live or dead body from the water. So at least they did give you that. That's good. And like I said, this trial by water is an ancient practice. It was used not just on witches um, in like really old times, but it was used on suspected criminals and sorcerers who were thrown into rushing rivers and just allowed higher power to Yeah, I was going to say they're basically saying fate. like God will save you or not. Right. Wow, that is I bullshit. Know. It was banned in Europe during the Middle Ages. So before <laughs> all this is going on, it was already banned. It reemerged in the 17th century, obviously, the century that we're in talking about here as a witch experiment and it persisted in some locales well into the 18th century. For example, in 1710, the swimming test, and it was almost like the same time period. Like, it Mm -hmm. must have been, like, the rage. Like, everybody's talking about (laughs) the witch ducking. (laughs) So they tested in a Hungarian woman, Dorka Boda, who was obviously floated or either sunk and but was still alive and they ended up just beating her and burning her as a witch so a little bit more brutal over there at least they're trying to be a little bit more like i said like all of this is on the books 
So I feel like a lot of them, if it wasn't on the books, they they would not have done this, but mm-hmm. they're having to like appease and it's part of the law. But they also know that it's all freaking ridiculous. This was entertainment. So, you know, everybody was down there. Hurry up. We're going to miss the ducking. You know, <laughs> They were there on the banks and the... I guess the sheriff noticed that there was the women that didn't show up on the banks too. So they grabbed them while they they were there and they were like, okay, you need to look for the devil's teats. Oh my God. And so still on the teats. They are because they needed proof. And this is what they're, they were trying to find is proof. So they examined her body on the shore and they checked also for any like devices she would use to free herself. They did find, I think, two spots, maybe two moles in her private areas, which is like, oh, my God. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that black cat burns was the Mm. one that found those. They took her naked body to the shoreline. They checked her to make sure she didn't have any knives or anything, and they covered her with a sack. It says six of the justices ordered her to be rowed out about 200 yards which is two football fields i don't know that into the river i'm like how big is this fucking river and then she had her right thumb tied to her left big toe her left thumb tied to her right big jesus toe, and they did like tie a strap around her waist and the waist of another man and they threw her into the water and before she went in she said to have said before this day be through you will get a worse ducking than i oh jesus assholes. <laughs> so they threw her in and she popped up and then when she popped up she had untied herself she's no like, shit she's like what the fuck and the story goes although this is not really all of this is written like in legal documents like in recorded history documents mm-hmm. uh, during this time Supposedly, somebody tied a 13-pound Bible around her neck, and they threw her back in, and of course, she popped back up, and she's like, are we done yet? (laughs) And they're like, okay, ye be a witch. But the fact is, after she pops up, actually, it's alleged that it started pouring down rain, so everybody got ducked. um, (laughs) You know, and then they, like I said, they found two things like teats on her private parts, black in color. We call them moles. (laughs) And she went to jail. And after this, we really don't know what happens because the the court records were burned during like right at the beginning of the Civil War. Or the Revolutionary War, you mean? Or no? No. Actually... Actually, it was the Civil War. Oh, yeah, like, no, they, that would be far away. Yeah, they, sorry. They stayed, they kept them, and I think this is like an account was actually written about 200 years later, which is why we know this, mm-hmm. because it was such like a huge thing, and it's a huge thing there that everybody still knows about. So it was written, I believe, um, like in the 1800s, right before the Civil War, but what happened, the records were, sorry, just total brain fart. <laughs> when did that happen? is the records were in the place that the Confederates thought that the Union Army was going to attack and they didn't want the Union Army uh, looking at their records. So they burned all of the records and they lost a lot of like information simply because they didn't want those records falling into the hands of the enemy. So mm. it's really stupid. Mm. It's like you know, it's like destroying art, destroying culture mm-hmm. so that the enemy doesn't have it. 
So we don't really know um, from what we can find out. We think that she was in there for about in jail for about seven years. Wow. While she was in jail, the county actually was in charge of her land. I don't know what her sons were doing at this time. Like yeah. Standing up for that. her mama and are taking charge of them. Maybe they stayed on the land, but they were just working for the county. Who knows? But we think she was in there for about seven years because... In 1708, she was ordered to pay somebody like 600 pounds of tobacco. (laughs) Okay. Because I'm sure somebody maybe sued her again (laughs) or or something. And then in 1714, she had to pay back taxes on her her land. And I think that is why we know that she was in there for that long. Because Mm -hmm. nothing was really paid until she paid those back taxes in 1714. And that is because the Virginia lieutenant governor at the time, Alexander Spotswood, helped her recover her land from Prince Anne County, Mm. who obviously was living high on the devil's teat with her (laughs) land. Who knows? Especially if she was growing tobacco. I mean, what a great crop. Mm. And wacky tobacco. (laughs) She actually lived the remainder of her life quietly, and didn't die until 1740 when she was 80 years old. Cool. So, you know, that little stint of witchcraft and jail. And either everybody died of starvation or, or pox on their family. I don't know. <laughs> everybody seemed to have gotten along. And she lived a peaceful life. Legend has it, when she died, her sons put her body near a fireplace. And a wind come along the chimney. And her body disappeared amid the embers mm. and only one clue of a cloven hoof print. Oh, no. So that's the story when she died that was kind of circulating. Reality is they think that she was buried in an unmarked grave under some trees in a field near the intersection of Pongo Ferry Road and Princess Anne Road in Virginia Beach, probably on her property. Also, it is said rumors spread when she died. That, of course, everybody, like anything bad happened, it was her Mm -hmm. curse upon the community. Just like when Uh, she was alive. Just like when she was alive, right? All the grandchildren's, you know, of the horrible neighbors carried out the story. So any unnatural storms, anything that happening was blamed on her. Also, all the black cats (laughs) that were around... Any cat that came about, they were scared that it was like her minions or her coming back. So for a time after her death, local people started killing cats. Oh, no. Because they thought it was her coming back because obviously they had guilt for being such shitheads. Mm. And the funny thing about that, though, is how karma works. Because (laughs) if you kill cats in a rat infested area, rats and disease come about. And in 1743, there was a recorded rat and mice infestation in Princess Anne County. Karma. (laughs) Her home was on Muddy Creek and it stood there actually for 200 years. It was burned several times in the 20th century by vandals. But all that was left in 2002 were like bricks from the chimney and that was bulldozed. So now part of a foundation and everything's overgrown. The property is owned by the federal government. So the government finally got their due. But it's part of the Back Bay National Wildlife Refuge. 
1973, Louisa Kyle wrote a children's book called The Witch Upongo, <laughs> which made the story very popular in that area again. In 2007, a California sculptor named Robert Cunningham depicted Sherwood with a raccoon and a basket of rosemary, and it was unveiled there. I was wondering when you said the Girl Scouts were cleaning the statue, what... And there's tons of shit named after her. Like they huh. were either, I don't know if it's like the 1973 book that really, it was just a book of local folklore for children, which I happen to find on eBay and we'll be getting the copy. Oh, of. cool. So I'm excited about that. That statue is on the site of the present day Sentira Bay Hospital, which is close to where the Colonial Courthouse and the Ducking Point were. The place of her t watery test, the adjacent land, are named Witch Duck Bay and Witch Duck Point. There's the Witch Duck Road, which we talked about, which Ashley told us about. Other commemorations on Virginia Beach include Sherwood Lane, Witch Point Trail. In 2014, a memorial marker is placed in a herb garden of the old Donation uh, Episcopal Church. Sherwood's former parish church. A woman named Belinda Nash wrote A Place in Time, The Age of the Witch of Pungo. She can find on Amazon for $65. I did Oof. not buy. But she wrote this biography about Grace Sherwood. Belinda Nash worked tirelessly to get her pardoned. So in 2006, on the 300th year anniversary of her conviction, Governor Tim Kaine actually granted an informal pardon to Grace Sherwood, oh, wow. clearing her good name. There's annual reenactments, which is part of where I got a lot of the history. Everyone gets tied up and naked and goes like Duncan, <laughs> Ducking, but not really. They reenact it, but I don't think there's actually any water, like for legal reasons or whatever. <laughs> That's stupid. It's stupid. I'm sure people go <laughs> ducking all the time. According to local residents, a strange moving light is said to be Sherwood's restless spirits that still appears each July over the spot in Witch Duck Bay where Sherwood was thrown into the water. Mm. And that is my tale of Grace Sherwood, the Witch of Pongo. Good story. Thanks so much, Ashley. Thank that you. was fun researching. Yeah. Who knew? That's super cool. Another little place on the bucket list. Do you want more Strange South every week? We can help. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can join our Facebook fan group, Fans of the Strange South Podcast, to keep the chat going with our whole creepy community. Do you have a story idea for us or a story of your own to share? Email us at stories at thestrangesouth.com. Plus, if you join our Patreon, you not only help support the podcast, you get an exclusive bonus episode for every show and a discount on merch. You can find links to all of these things on our website, thestrangesouth.com, along with photos, links, and show notes from every episode, Strange South t-shirts, mugs, and other goodies. See you there. Yeah, well, at least we made these. Exactly. Mine, yours is probably approved. You used, what, sparkling grapefruit from Fever Tree and vodka? Mm -hmm. That's probably genius. Yeah. It'd be good with gin, too, but I'm too lazy to walk upstairs and get the gin. I just started pouring shit. I put vodka, and then I was like, grenadine, and then I was like, club soda, and then I was like, this club soda's flat, and then I put peach schnapps on top. I was like, that'll be fine. <laughs>
So that's what's in this little pink jar. <laughs> glass jar. Glass. Glass jar. Cheers. Cheers. Woo. Mostly I'm just relying on the vodka. Yes. At least I don't just drink straight vodka anymore. <laughs> that was always good. That's a step up. I actually cut back a lot while I was in quarantine, too. Because mm-hmm. I didn't even drink caffeine. I didn't drink like, well, oh I, I drank tea, God. but I didn't drink coffee or How alcohol for are days. You breathing? I know. I was like surprisingly easy. Wow. I like, would, oh, this is probably really good for me. So sick from just the headache. I did have to start take uh, like drinking at least a cup of coffee for the headache. Yeah. But yes. Well, onward. Yes. Uh, my story is probably pretty short, but it's interesting. It's been on my like radar for a little while. Mm-hmm. And so I'm finally doing it. So Yay. the sources for this are a book called Labyrinth 13 by Kurt Rowlett. <laughs> Reddit. Uh, <laughs> New York Times, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, and a website called Truly Adventure. So this takes place in 1987. And like you, I need context. So I was looking up like, what else happened in 1987? I lived through it. Right. But like, I don't know, last week. Ronald Reagan is president. Obviously. Um, Oh, this is one. So I wrote this several days ago. Full House aired its first episode in 1987. And I know. And listen, this is this is eerie. The night that Bob Saget died. I got the Full House theme song stuck in my head. And they announced the next morning that Bob Saget died. And I was singing it to like everybody you in my house. Bob Saget. I was like, oh my God, why can't I get the theme song to Full House out of my head? And Which, it oh just wouldn't God. go away. And then the next morning, Bob Saget was dead. So weird kind of off connection to that. I have a piece that I'm going to talk about. I've got a lot to talk about in the after talk. But I want to talk about Alanis Morissette. Ooh. So that's kind of got the, the what is it, Goulier kind of connect. Dave Coulier. Yeah, whatever his name is. Which is weird. So wait, was was her... Ought to know. Ought to know about Dave Coulier. I think so. Because see, I always... That's they the said it was from somebody on Full House, and I always assumed it was John Stamos because... I mean, no. fucking John Stamos. Right. Dave Coulier makes stupid jokes about a gopher. Like... I was like, he can't date fucking Alanis Morissette. And he was a lot. He just seemed so old. He is. And that's, I mean, that's the problem. That's uh, that's the whole thing that she went through is because she was obviously underage and weird. Why of all people, really? Dave Coulier. I mean, young, impressionable. Mm. He's, I don't know. Has a thing for gopher puppets. Uh, Yeah. Oh, my God. But now I it turned her. into a real weird pedophilia thing. Sorry. Yes. So, Sorry. yeah. So 1987. <laughs> yes. Full House <laughs> Full airs House. its first episode. <laughs> Everywhere you look. And um, Michael Jackson's Bad comes out, which yes. is weird to think of those two things happening in the same year. Yes. Because it, it was might... kind of a, and I was so anti both of those things during that time. <laughs> So, uh, baby Jessica falls down a well in I Texas. I remember that. Watched it. On that TV. was that was a big deal. Um, there's so we're kind of honing in just a little bit on the the area. There's a rally and a march called the Brotherhood March in Forsyth County, Georgia, in 1987. This is not my story, but this is kind of some context. That fucking sounds familiar. To bring awareness to the racial cleansing, quote unquote, racial cleansing riot that took place. In 1912 in Forsyth County, Georgia, when white residents lynched and murdered three black men and drove out the entire population of the county, nearly 1,100 people. 
driven Where? out of the county of Forsyth, Georgia. And like the march to, you know, as a hint, was not welcomed by the still all white population of Forsyth County, Georgia in 1987. That's Georgia. I can believe in that. We're still in the 80s, which is not yes. far removed from the 60s honestly. and uh that that will be another episode i've had that one on my list for a long time too but it's i just there's listen. some stuff that is like you I, know like the upstairs lounge there's some stuff that's like really tough to talk mm, about but yeah and, and honestly i mean right before you came over i was listening to um my favorite murder and they did the rosewood massacre oh lord which is the same thing yeah, in Florida, right around that area. Yep. Northwest I've, Florida. Yep. I've read up on that one, the Rosewood Massacre. Mm-hmm. And there's there, Arkansas has stories. That, I mean, it's just, it's all over. So anyway, but yes. uh, Forsyth County is, whew, where is that? Though? Something else. I need to look it up again. I feel like it's, it is, if I'm right, it's southeast of Atlanta. And not... I'll have to look it up, but no, you, you no, wait talking, a minute. I'll look it up. Yeah, you look it up. Because Forsy- Forsyth, no, it shouldn't be that far. Anyway, you know, that gets a little bit closer to the area we're talking about, but this this story happens in Atlanta. So, like, nearer to Atlanta's heart, Spaghetti Junction opens in 1987, which is the insane, just mad intersection of Highway 85 and Highway 285. So, Spaghetti Junction opens in 1987. AZT is approved as the first anti HIV drug in 1987. The gay Atlantas are still living through like what they would call the plague years for a long mm. time. The first Dragon Con is held in Atlanta in 1987. No I had no idea. Um, and the child murders were only six years ago at this point. Oh, wow. So, like, this is the this is the context of where the story comes in. Yeah. So, Forsyth County is near uh, Alpharetta. So it's, see, it, I was going to say. It's northeast of Atlanta. So I was 100%. No, I was only 50% wrong. But Alpharetta, that's not, I mean, that's like, that's the suburbs now. Alpharetta is the suburbs. Right. Forsyth County. It's just. It, it's, that's where it's coming. No, it's funny that I have, I've watched documentaries on this and I never like actually made a. Yeah, it's coming. I never made a connection to where we were. Yeah, because it's on um, this big lake here. Lanier. It's on Lanier Lake. Mm-hmm. Lanier, sorry. Lanier. Fuck. Lake Lanier. Angles Lanier. <laughs> Lake. Here we are. We're in Atlanta, 1987. We're 1114 Fountain Drive. And this is like inside 285, just to the west of downtown. And the neighborhood is called Ashview Heights. It's like one of the first planned developments for middle class African Americans. I'm following with my Google Atlanta. Maps. Yes, do. So the area, this little suburban area, well, it's not suburban, it's in town. It was built in the 1920s, this planned development. It's where Morehouse College is and Spelman College. They're like right there. It's like a mile and a half from where the Mercedes-Benz Stadium is now. So it's like in town, in town. Mm-hmm. Spike Lee grew up in Asheville Heights, Ashview Heights. We're at 1114 Fountain Drive. 1987 this couple lives there named minnie and william winston he goes by willie they're in their late 70s she's 77 he's 79 and they've lived in the house for 22 years they rented it's a red brick home it's got six rooms they've raised three kids and now they're retired and they live in the house alone willie is like i said he's almost 80 you know he's not well anymore he does dialysis at home and um, when they did them more, I don't think they do them at home like they used to. They had they would have a dialysis machine. It would be 
kind of you would just lay in your bed connected to this machine multiple times a week for hours at a time. And it cleans your blood out if your kidneys are failing. So mm. that's the situation Willie's in. And, you know, his wife is looking after him all the time. September 8th, 1987. It's nearly midnight and Willie's asleep and Minnie decides, you know, she needs to take a bath, which I just think like... Uh, you get older, you're up all hours of the night. Like right. you don't ever sleep normal. Like my, gr- I remember my grandma sleeping maybe four hours a night. Right. Like she'd just be up all the time. So it's not that weird that Minnie's up taking a bath at midnight. So she runs the water. She gets in. She's like resting in the bathtub, eyes closed. She cleans herself up. And after she's done, she stands up. She wraps a towel around herself and steps out onto the bathroom floor. And as she steps out, she looks down and sees just dark red splotches all over the floor oh my god they're covering by some accounts just covering the bathroom floor and by some accounts like spurting out of the bathroom floor like a sprinkler or a fountain like just shooting out between the tiles and she's like what on the living earth is happening in my bathroom so she kind of tiptoes out of the bathroom to try and avoid these weird little whatever geyser things and um into the hall and she says there's splotches of this red stuff in the hall on the floor and it's on the baseboards. It's on the walls. There's like dime sized blotches up to like silver dollar size. So she follows the hall to the bedroom because she's thinking this, like something's happened to Willie. Something's going on with this machine. And she gets there and she shakes him awake and she's come look at all this red stuff coming out of the floors because he's like, she can shake him awake. He's okay. Right. She says later on that she's not scared when this happens because she doesn't even know what this stuff is. Right. And she says it doesn't look or smell like blood. Right. But they call the fire department because there's like, there's obviously something wrong. Right. You don't want to like have some like, kind of like red algae or yeah. blooming Exactly. Stuff. So like she calls the fire department. The EMTs get there first because they're assuming like, okay, there's red stuff all over your floor. Obviously someone's bleeding. Obviously someone's injured so they get there they look around red stuff is not spurting out of anywhere anymore um but it's it's all over the place and no matter what minnie says to them they're like this looks looks like there's blood all over your house right the emts check on minnie and willie and everybody's there's no scratches no you know there's no reason they check his dialysis machine they make sure there's not a leak in it somewhere though how the leak would have spurted two rooms away i don't know how and got under the door (laughs) i know right right? so willie in the newspaper willie's like quoted as saying i'm not bleeding my wife's not bleeding and nobody else was here the fire department passes them on to police right and because they're like okay well this looks like blood. Maybe mm. there's some weird foul play. Maybe these people are taking us for a ride. They're hiding some murder weapon. There's and a they just called you because I know, right? It's weird. Yeah. So they think maybe there's an injured person hiding in here somewhere. Something right. like this. But they're like, okay, clearly we have left our jurisdiction. This is police stuff now. Mm-hmm. And so the police come and the property managers also come so mm-hmm. that they can kind of look in all the spaces and everything. And they say they find, like in the newspaper, it said copious amounts of this red liquid spattered and in blotches in the kitchen, the living room, every single hall, the bedroom, the bathroom, on the back door, in the crawl space, and in the basement, underneath the TV stand. Just all kinds of random weird shit. It looks like most of it, a lot of it looks like it's been sprayed, like at a downward angle. Right. It's just nobody can really make any sense of it. Mm -hmm. As I'm reading this, I was like, I was trying to think like what? 
you know, your mind immediately goes right. through like, what would your theory? What would your theory be on this? Like, what do you think right. this would be? <sighs> do you have? Do you have? Okay, guesses. My, the only thing that I can really think of, and this is just from living in a house with old iron pipes, mm-hmm. is that it's some like decayed iron rusted pipe that broke in a wall or something and it's just flooding everywhere and mm-hmm. it's all just like rusty. That's milk. what they thought too. Yeah. They went for the pipes right away. They were like, did water shoot rusty water or steam mm-hmm. out of burst pipes? And there was no burst pipe. Weird. They went and looked at all of it with the property managers and that's what I, I thought that one, too. Mm-hmm. They thought the police immediately went to the injured animal idea. They were like, OK, well, maybe some since it's most of it's like close to the ground. Satan. I know. right? <laughs> Little is, hoof marks in all the blood puddles. There's some teats we need to <laughs> investigate. <laughs> so they the police are like, OK, well, is there an animal? And Willie and Minnie are like, we don't have dogs. We don't have roaches. We don't have mice or rats. Like, we take very good care of our house. Mm-hmm. Nothing died in here. You know, right. nothing is exploded copious amounts of blood in every and room in our think, house. I mean, just I mean, not that I've been around copious amounts of blood, but from everything that I've read or, you know, watched like on forensic files and stuff, like when you have that much blood, it has like a coppery smell to it. And that's one a of the weird things smell. is because Many said, specifically said, it does not smell like blood to me. But the EMTs were like, mm, looks like blood. They're already kind of at odds. Like, taste it. With what they think it might be. <laughs> there, There's also theories that like latex, you know, latex paints, especially in older houses, if humidity gets to layers of paint and there's something that can kind of leach through mm-hmm. and drip down, that's a pretty common thing yeah. to have happen, mm-hmm. to have like these kind of, and it looks like. What time of the year was this? But it was September. Mm-hmm. Well, it's Atlanta, though. It's Atlanta in, in September. September still so it hot. could still be hot as fuck. Yeah. But it's not dripping down the walls is one of the things. It's not coming from a high place and dripping down to a low place. There's no like rivulets. It's like a spatter blotches on the floor and on the baseboards only, which would be more like the rusty pipes idea. Right. But there's no pipe leak. You know, that was one of their thoughts. My my thought was, okay, well, is this a high crime neighborhood? Because it's in town Atlanta. So could somebody have gotten hurt and tried to hide from somebody else or hide from police or something gotten into their house and, and kind of stumbled through all the hallways <laughs> well i was just thinking like would you have stumbled through the hallways through the house from the front door to the back door and just blood gotten blood everywhere would you i mean you would be passed out from blood loss you, i would think so that much blood and again it was like you would, would have handprints or something you know some there would be fingerprints somewhere on right. the you know in the house but you know, they didn't and they didn't find a body. They didn't find evidence. And one of the reports says that their house had an alarm system. All the doors were locked and it was verified that everything was secure wow. when they went to bed and she went to get in her bed. Wow. Yeah. Scientifically, there's some kind of reactive agent that got triggered for real and that yeah isn't it crazy that is crazy so the police say well we've we've looked around at this there's no body there's no sign of forced entry there's no crime Mm -hmm. for us to investigate you know i guess we'll test this liquid and send it out to test but we can't really do anything else you know right you know and willie's like i don't know what that stuff is like neither of them is convinced that it's blood right they send this out to test and the next morning 
as soon as this hits the papers, people house start to blood. fucking flock to these poor people's house. I would be like, that's $20. Uh, no interest. shit. I know. And it's on talk radio. Willie's uh, like all analysis. The, <laughs> all the morning commute jocks are like, you know, call us in and tell us what you think the blood house has coming up through the floors. Right. And so Halloween's all these people, I know. And so of course they're getting all these calls from psychics and they're getting all these calls from like parapsychologists and just people who are saying the stuff that we're saying mm-hmm. with like zero expertise or evidence no because no. at least we can look back at the newspaper reports that go on for days these people had nothing and it's so it's all over the tv oh, they had their opinion they had their opinions exactly and apparently a lot of boredom and nothing to do with their time because oh. these people are like calling the police department non-stop saying like is there really blood dripping down the walls of this house and he's like you know we never said there was blood dripping down the walls in any of these newspaper reports. I heard. Amityville was just a couple years ago, you know. Right. Yes. Satanic panic. The, well, yeah, it's 1987. Mm-hmm. So everybody is like, um, some going on Proctor in this house. and Gamble on this house. <laughs> so, like, and people somehow get Minnie and Willie's phone number, the Winston's phone number. They do. And they start do. just calling their house, showing up outside Being their house. Assholes. Oh, yeah. Psychics banging on the door saying, we can get rid of the blood. We can get rid of the blood. And be like five million dollars. No shit. Give me some money. And these people annoy me. These people become such a problem. The police actually, as a favor to the Winstons, declare the house a a crime scene so that they can legally keep all these people away um, and tell them that they're trespassing and they have to leave. No, they're trespassing anyway. They are. And they should have to leave anyway. Right. So it's just, it's weird because like there's all these people that are obsessed with this, like, oh, it's a blood house. Oh, it's all this. And Minnie and Willie just want to fucking go to bed. Yeah. Like, 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 (laughs) you know, have been up literally for six weeks. And that's, that's like what they're saying. They're like in the paper saying, we've never had anything like this happen before in this house i still have shampoo in my hair i know they've never had to call the police ever in the 22 years that they've lived in the house and miss winston is quoted in the paper saying i still don't believe it's human blood i don't care what the police say because the lab results come back two days later and say that it is human blood oh no all over their house what and it is type o blood and both of the winstons are type a so their house has type o blood apparently what the fuck so it's like it's 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 in a lab taste it's human blood all over their house and they have no fucking idea how it got there and i was like man even if somebody like snuck in they couldn't have poured their own blood on the bathroom floor while she was in the bathtub (laughs) like how is this even possible she says in the paper on the 10th of september i'm like floored i know you think this has got to be some kind of a thing but it's human blood. And she's so on the 10th of September, she's quoted in the paper saying, I don't know where it came from and I don't want to have anything to do with it. People are calling out here to see it and troubling us. I haven't had any sleep today and I probably won't get any tonight. And her husband says, I'm not bothered by it. I'm bad enough shape as it is. Oh my God. So it's like, this is like 80 year old couple just like, will you leave me the fuck alone? I don't even care anymore. Just clean it up and get out of my house. 
it, the state crime lab starts asking questions like, has this been mishandled? Like, obviously, the blood that is sent to them is not brand spanking new. They're like, if you had sent me the sample 12 hours before, we could have told you more, but it was kind of dried up. And, right. you know, so there were questions about the evidence handling. Right. They stood by that it was human blood. Wow. And that it was typo human blood. Well, it so, seems to be enough of it. They could have had plenty of samples. Yeah. I mean, that's what it sounds. When they say copious amounts, mm-hmm. like, that sounds like, like a like lot. it's like oozing up from the floorboards, yeah. then I've got a theory, but go ahead. One of the police's theories, like, before they give up on this, because, mm-hmm. you know, like they said, it's not a crime scene. Right. Um, no body, no crime. What they end up, <laughs> What they end up landing on is the hoax theory. And I hate this because I think it's I think it's dismissive and maybe exploitative. But they land maybe on this racist. theory, yes, that Willie wanted attention from his kids, and since he had access to blood because he's on dialysis and goes to the hospital sometimes, he does not have access. He to blood. spewed blood all how, over his own house to get his kids' attention. How many times have you been to? the doctor and they gave you access That's what to I was like, any of their medical yeah, equipment. Yeah, like how does being sickly mean you have access to blood And at the then hospital? that much blood, how do you sneak that shit out? Because I mean, they've like, proven sh- it wasn't his. Right. You know, but they all said also one of their daughters, one of their three kids, one of their daughters is a nurse and she also had access to blood. So maybe the kids were hoaxing the family to get their parents declared incompetent so they could like inherit or something. Which okay. they have zero evidence to go on. Zero evidence. But that kind of rings a little bit. That's kind of a little bit more of what I was thinking about. Like, was it? Since there is blood involved with the dialysis, uh-huh. I was thinking that maybe like somebody brought the wrong type of blood. Mm. And then couldn't return it and maybe stuck it somewhere. <laughs> and then just decided to just... <laughs> we, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how it got from the not return place to all over the fucking house. But, but I was thinking, like, I, I feel like it has something to do with the dialysis, but not through them. Like mm-hmm. some other means yeah. of happening. Because I think they probably would have cracked or something if it was them. Yeah, it's just like they seemed yeah. genuinely... I think like being baffled would be one thing, but if you're attention seeking, you're not going to be telling everybody to get the fuck out of your house. Right. Immediately. You're going to be charging them $5 at the door like I would do. Yeah, for real. <laughs> so, so you know, they you want the gold package. <laughs> here's a candle to pray to here's a on tiny, Lord Satan. Here's a tiny sample of the blood in a vial that you can take exactly. home for an extra $25. <laughs> yeah. So, so the called us. I know, right? So the police end up, you know, sending out this like, well, we think it must be a hoax. And they basically end the investigation on that note. They dismiss That's it. it. Something yeah. else happens. We move on, you know, which I mean, yeah, you they can't really criticize can't them for. They what are they anything. supposed to do? They got other things to do. Yeah. Exactly. But, you know, people still, you know, continue to try and call them until the point where like Winnie and, and they're like 200 years old now. I know. Like Will, uh, Willie and Minnie are heard from outside the house shouting things like, this is all lies. There's no blood here. Just go away. And one of the things that I had read somebody had taken that and turned it into like they were performing some sort of a ceremony to get the blood to leave and therefore the next day everything was quiet again and I'm like bull fucking shit they were telling people to leave their house alone exactly this was never solved they never returned to it the Winstons never revisited it it was probably like a two year old I know (laughs) (laughs) like got a hold of of the wrong blood that they brought from the hospital (laughs) and hid it 
And then they were just like told nobody. All I can picture every time you say that, I'm just thinking for some reason of like a whoopee cushion filled with blood that's just like squeezed like under like, the couch and you sit on it and, and it just it like just spurts everywhere. Right. Well, it could. Well, I mean, you could take the blood mm-hmm. and put it in the wall. And then if it leaks, it's going to come out under the floorboard. Yeah. And stuff. But you would think there'd be like an origin point somewhere. Yeah. Well, and then and you would have the bags left over unless they cleaned it up afterwards. Yeah. And it all seemed to happen so quickly. Right. I mean, it was like f- between him going to bed and her getting in the bath because right. it was on. That's the the real kicker for me is that the primary point of contact was her stepping out of the bathtub mm-hmm. onto a floor covered yeah. in blood. Because she, yeah. Because how she could got somebody in the have tub done that? Yeah. Without... And she would have noticed it right. when she got in. Mm. I mentioned at the beginning this book called Labyrinth 13 by Kurt Rowlett. He'd called the Winstons after this whole thing had gone down. And they really, they stand fast with this, like, I don't know what it was. I don't give a shit, to be honest. Just, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Right. But he takes that and goes to a, you know, and in the absence of another explanation, this is not an illegitimate point. A supernatural cause is just as likely as any other cause. Yeah, in the know, absence of yeah, mm-hmm. and so this truly adventurous site that had a very long form version of this story on it that took a lot of liberties with what the people involved may have been feeling and doing at the time. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that he talks about, I'm assuming it's a he, because of the aforementioned stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> but. Um, that the house at 1114 Fountain Drive was previously owned or occupied by a man named Albert Thompson and his wife. Thompson was the regional racial relations director for the Federal Housing Authority at the time. And so he looked at like fair housing practices around the city. And in 1950, when he was 41 years old, Thompson was driving down the street when a truck rammed into his car. And the next day, the newspaper listed him as one of several accident victims pointing out that he was quote a negro in the in the article so he was treated at the hospital and then sent back to his house but he still had serious injuries and internal bleeding and um the other the driver who had who had rammed his car with a truck was a white guy who had who was a veteran from world war ii didn't get injured he was basically said that he was booked for having improper breaks and he said that was the reason for the accident. And they just kind of gave him a slap on the wrist, despite the fact that he caused this major injury to this other person. Right. Thompson is back at his house trying to heal from, I guess, internal hemorrhage. Right. And Which, I mean, how do you really heal from that? Yeah. And, you know, this other guy is like walking away scot-free. He says the event was swept under the rug while the victim suffered on Fountain Drive with internal bleeding with his wounds hidden and ignored. And he dies on Halloween of that whatever that year was. I don't know if he even said what year it was. He takes a lot of liberties with like what could be the paranormal background of this. But that's one of the things that he talks about, which at least it's place based. Right. So he's saying since this happened at the beginning of September... And then there was that car accident that led to the man's death in October. You know, it's not impossible that there's some kind of a paranormal association Hmm. with that. They have never experienced anything, though, in 22 years of living in this house. Right. A lot of other people posited, like, maybe poltergeists. But there's no young people in the house. Again, no prior experience with any disturbance. 
And as far as we know, there's no further experience with any disturbance. But we're pretty sure that the Winstons wouldn't say a damn word about it oh, if abs- anything else if ever else happened. happened. They like learned their lesson. Exactly. Like, Fuck that shit. So I was going to do this in the after talk, but I'm going to do it real quick now just because it sounds like you've got a lot of after talk stuff too. Mm-hmm. The whole walls bleeding thing mm-hmm. is, I guess, a, a pretty common paranormal phenomenon. I think we've, oh, wow. we've all heard, like we've seen it like Amityville and like blood right. rushing through the Shining Hotel right. and all that kind of stuff. So I found this article on Stranger Dimensions that says it's haunting phenomena when the walls bleed and lists a bunch of and it lists the house I just talked about, which the the shorthand of it is the Atlanta Blood House. Right. If you want to know anything about it, look up the Atlanta Blood House and that's what you'll get. It listed a whole bunch of different houses that had similar sorts of things. It was one of the Talman House in Wisconsin had a haunted bunk bed and there was intense paranormal activity after they bought it. It was like a used bunk bed in their house and they had apparitions and ultimately they left their house, but bleeding walls was one of the things that had happened. And there are rumors that that was one of the things that had happened in the house. Hmm. Mary Knoll seminary in Illinois is one of them haunted by the spirit of a monk who hung himself in the bell tower. Mm. And um, after his death, there were unexplained noises, blood oozing down the tower's exterior is one of the things. There's a Pittsburgh family who was apparently tormented by a demon on Brownsville Road who said bleeding walls were one of their apparitions that they saw. And then another in um, San Pedro, California, who had, it was a poltergeist that was really violent and would do like physical attacks, including attempted hanging. Oh, damn. Um, They had um, a mysterious red ooze that would drip down from their cupboards and things like that that was later reported to be blood plasma. There are a lot of things that... I guess there's a lot of that type of thing that happens paranormally, but see, a lot of it just doesn't doesn't jibe with the story. Right. So it's just one of those kind of unsolved mis like 100% unsolved, like no fucking clue mysteries. Right. And you know, I don't know. To me, I feel like it's like the simplest thing, like mm-hmm. the simplest. Take the simplest answer. That's answer, probably the right one. Right. Occam's razor. Uh-huh. But what is it? But what is it? <laughs> I don't know what it is. I would have, I, I, I think the dead, like the dying animal idea, but I, I just God, can't so get much over. Blood. People, I mean, animals don't I have know. that much blood. And all the random ass places it was. And I just can't get over it being in the bathroom where she was, you know? Right. So yes. yeah. Mystery. If you've got a theory, let us know. Yeah. I would be dying to know if you uh, have other ideas. Yes, absolutely. That's Thanks. my story. Awesome. I love that. I love it. Thank Episode y'all. 99 is a wrap. Yes. Yay! Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. We appreciate you so much. And we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.